Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another B-Ball Index podcast brought to you through the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. My name is Tim. You may know me as Cranjus McBasketball on Twitter. And this week, our episode is sponsored by Roman. And also this week, I am all alone. Um, last week, Jacob brought us through how he watches film. And this week, I'd like to go through pretty much the same thing. Hopefully next time, we'll have the two of us together and we'll be going over the 2019-2020 talent grades that we released over at the site this past week. Um, I know last week we had the grades together. I don't believe we had released them yet, but we were itching to talk about them. But you'll just have to wait one more week to, to get the two of us together. So today, talking about watching film, I think a good place to start there is discussing really the difference for me between watching games live and watching film, because those I, I think that's a really important distinction. Live, I'm probably enjoying the game or rooting for teams to score more points or less points or a specific team to win from a, from a gambling standpoint. But live, I'm, I always really default to watching the game from the offense's perspective, really regardless of who I'm rooting for, um, if, if at all. Unless I'm very purposely trying to watch for one guy. But again, if I'm just enjoying a game, I'm focused on the offense. I'm focused in, in on what's happening. Um, I care very little about plus minus in-game or counting stats. I'm really just looking at seeing what's working and what's not working. And a big focus of mine is what adjustments could be taking place or what I think should be taking place. And then also paying attention to how what I'm thinking the next move should be for a team compares with what they actually do. Do they adjust pretty quickly? Do they take a whole quarter to adjust? Do they make a different adjustment from what I was thinking? Um, or did they just not adjust at all? So those that, that's kind of what I look at. I'm a very X's and O's focused person, if you don't know me. Um, when I watch live, I can't really tell you a whole lot about individual defenders and how they're doing. That's That's something that I recognize, and I don't think it's just me. I think in general, we have a pretty weak point when watching live on assessing individual defenders, unless you're focusing in on them, just because about like 80% of defense is off ball and probably away from what you're looking at. So the really good and the really bad might stand out, but there's a whole lot of context that you're missing. You might see 20, 30% of the puzzle, but depending on what the other 50, 60, 70, 80% uh, is the overall assessment can be very different. So I try to wait to watch film to really formulate those opinions. And also, I mean, I'm trying to enjoy what I'm watching, but again, usually my focus is on what could be tweaked. So if you're watching like a Laker game and you have Twitter pulled up and you're, you're following a lot of Laker people, you'll see probably 20 tweets in a row from bloggers and media people saying how insane some specific play was or something Anthony Davis did or LeBron did. Um, And then somewhere sandwiched in between there, I'll be talking about how, man, the Lakers really need to start slipping screens to attack the shock, you know, hard hedge ball screen coverage they're seeing, which isn't me trying to be a downer or that doesn't mean I'm not enjoying the same things you're enjoying, but I'm very much like, that was awesome. Really enjoy that. But here's what I think we should be doing. I'm, I'm always in that trying to make the most of what you have perspective and aspect. I don't know. Big competitor have, have been on the coaching and, and sideline pieces of things, been on the, the film room piece of things. So I really focus on what can be better and, and how you can make the most of what you have. So that's really what 
I'm looking at during games. I like watching the the plays being run. Um, I'm not usually pausing and rewinding a whole lot when I watch live, but I'll make a note and say, all right, with six minutes and 45 seconds left, the Lakers are in a really good play. I want to go back and look at that later. Um, I'll, I'll keep notes like that. I'll have entire sheets of notes on my phone that just say, it, it'll. I don't know what it looks like, but it'll just say like, Lakers, Cavs, Q3, nine minutes. And, and it'll say that for 14 to 20 different uh, periods of time in a row. Um, so then at the end, when I do finally get to my laptop and I'm going through film, I can really quickly find the plays that I like and then maybe diagram them, diagram them and fast draw or write them down on a piece of paper or look at what they're doing and then tweak it to something I like more. But I really like those X's, X's and O's. When I'm looking at film, and this is you know not live, but when you're going back to watch the film, Synergy is definitely my favorite by far. It, it lets you look through game film very, very quickly with the way they cut it. Um, I mean, you could watch League Pass replays, but it's just not as efficient. So that's one reason I like Synergy. If I'm watching a Laker game late, if I, if I show up at the end of the second quarter and I need to catch up during halftime, I can just pull up what they're tagging live um, and, and watch the first and second quarters pretty quickly and catch up by the, the start of the third quarter. So that's nice. And then also with Synergy, you can say, hey, I want to look at every, I don't know, Joel Embiid post up from the right block that he turns left and finishes with a hook shot. And immediately it, it pulls up all 12 of those or 20 of those possessions or whatever it is. So it's efficient in that sense. Um, but that's something that not a whole lot of people have access to. So I think some of the other good public sources would be nba.com slash stats. You can just go on like a team page or a player page and click through and see, like it'll say, hey, the Lakers are attempting 15 threes a game. I don't know what it is. You, you can click on that. It'll be blue and then it'll pop up with the media viewer and you can actually go through all those possessions and it'll even have like a shot chart on the side and you can pick to see the clips for specific shots or you can scroll down a little bit and it'll show a little summary of who did what, when, and what the result was. So that's another way to, it's not as detailed as Synergy, but you can kind of try to target what you're looking at in, in a somewhat efficient way. So that works. As I mentioned, League Pass also works for more of a full game replay look, but it is annoying having to skip through. Um, it, it's just skipping around in Synergy five seconds at a time, and it's very crisp makes it easy to rewind and fast forward. Whereas on, on lead pass, it's like 30 seconds at a time and, or 15 seconds at a time. And that makes it a little bit more frustrating. You can't just skip for the couple seconds of somebody bringing the call, bringing the ball up the court, it'll skip like a whole possession. So that's, that's annoying. It, it removes a lot of the functionality. Um, three ball.io is another one that also works, but I don't use that one a whole ton. I think that's, not as specific as well, but if you know exactly what you're looking for or specific players or a specific block or something, that can work too. So I'd say to check those all out. It depends what you're watching the film for, um, but a couple decent options to go back and, and try to see exactly what was happening for whatever possessions you're looking at. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, but we'll be right back. Okay, next we're going to talk about what I look for on offense. So 
Jacob mentioned this last week. Um, he talked about paying attention to what the offense is doing, where's the action, what is the offense trying to accomplish, because that's where that's that's where the the bread is going to be buttered. That's where the offense is going to make the defense make a mistake, or the defense is going to make a great play. That that's where the action's happening. Um, if somebody has the ball at the top of the key and they're letting a set run, I'm not going to stare at somebody dribbling the ball. I'm going to go look at the the off-ball screens away from the action. Um, same thing if somebody has the ball in the post and there's a split cut happening, I'm probably watching the split cut. Because it's always, for me, about, for things like that, like, is the action good? Is the offense working for you? Or are you needing to create the offense? Like, are you generating open threes and layups from your sets? Or is that more of a rare occurrence? And for the most part, you're just having somebody need to beat somebody else, um, which is less ideal, but can still open things up. And, and there are smart ways to do that with hunting really good mismatches and trying to run specific actions to get mismatches. Offense doesn't need to be complicated to be good, but when it is more sophisticated, it often is better. It's, it, I mean, it, it's one of those things where if it's complicated or not, it won't tell you if it's good or not. Um, but if you're running one action in your, in your offensive set, if you're running pick and roll and then freelancing for 20 seconds or probably more like 15, 12 seconds, that's probably not as good as if you have two or three, two or three things happening in the span of 15 seconds. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Another thing Jacob mentioned is that teams are pretty smart and he's really trusting what they're doing and assuming that it's going to be pretty purposeful and trying to learn from, okay, the Lakers are going at this specific matchup. I'm going to keep that in mind. If they're going at this player over and over in the pick and roll, maybe that person is not a very good pick and roll defender. And I think that can be very true. But as somebody who watches a lot for the X's and O's, I'll say that there's a pretty big spectrum of how teams and coaches perform within what Jacob's talking about. Some coaches, they'll run a play. It works perfectly. And then they'll run it another two or three or four times until you stop it. I think that's really smart. Um, Finding something that works and then going away from it doesn't really do a whole lot for you. I think a, a big thing in basketball as opposed to maybe like football is in football, you might get a cover two in one play and then a cover three and a cover four. And you want to attack those differently. Um, whereas in basketball, 
the other team is likely going to be they, they go into the game knowing how they want to defend your pin down for KCP. And they're probably going to defend it the same way over and over again until you make them change or I mean they, they might make a mistake in their coverage. So anticipating that they're going to give you the same looks uh can let you go back to the same thing, go back to that well if it's working and make them adjust to stop you don't stop yourself that's like it's not quite the same thing but you don't want to auto bench good players and some of the best defense on LeBron James can be when he's on the bench because you're scared he might get into further foul trouble this is that same thing if it's working keep going to it don't assume that it won't work if the defense hasn't showed you they can't stop it so there's a spectrum there um I guess one good example that a lot of people may remember is Ty Lue going to the same horns uh what was it what did they call it it was like a horns lob set in the playoffs against the raptors they got they went at it i think it was in game six 20 oh, i don't remember what year but they went at it a bunch of times in a row and it kept working and that's the type of good coaching that i enjoy and a lot of teams just won't do that at all some will also adjust when a defense shows them something not until after a quarter, after halftime, and other ones will adjust pretty quickly. Um, so that's something that I like to pay attention to and know which coaches are good and bad at that because that can tell you a whole lot about if throwing something new at them is going to give you a small advantage or a gigantic advantage. I think something that uh, Toronto has done really well with Nick Nurse is play creative defenses, and they're often referred to as garbage defenses because usually they don't really work if you know what you're doing against them, like a triangle and two or a box and one, you'll, you'll go to a coaching website and that'll be under the garbage defense section. And I like probing and using things like that when coaching, or I like when the teams I'm watching are doing the same thing because you can run it for two possessions. If the other team knows what they're doing against it, that should be obvious pretty quickly. Um, but if they don't know what they're doing against it, it might be very, very effective. And you can just keep doing that same thing until they figure it out. I love that approach. Um, and I think the smarter coaches are creative with things like that and they force you to respond. And then we also know that some teams will run pretty simple sets. Some teams will try to pressure the, the defense in multiple ways that we talked about. Some sets will really make me say like, wow, aloud. Other ones will have me yelling at my TV, TV saying like, what is that doing? That's doing nothing. You just ran three, three zipper cuts in a row. Now you've got six seconds left. Like sometimes there's specific actions that don't accomplish much for you or a specific combination of actions that don't make sense. So I think that just comes with understanding what the actions are, understanding those building blocks, and then seeing how they're put together and trying to figure out, okay, based on where the ball is and based on where the ball would need to be for this flare screen to be effective, is this the right time to be using it? Um, it might be yes, it might be no. Sometimes it might just be the decoy to occupy the help defense. But if that's the main look on the, the offensive set, you want to make sure that it's something that's feasible, that you can actually get the ball over there. And I will say again that there are multiple ways to play good offense. It all just depends on what your roster has to offer and what the defense looks like. And even just attacking matchups you love with Pretty simple attacks can be very effective. And this is something I think we've seen 
a couple of LeBron James teams in the past do with the Cavs hunting mismatches or the Lakers this year, not running a whole lot, but in many occasions they're getting what they want because they have enough talent and they're able to force switches on a LeBron James, Anthony Davis pick and roll and then go after it. Another thing I notice when I'm watching offense is I, I look for execution on things like screen setting. Cause that's so big. If, if I don't know, every single thing in basketball that'd be considered an offensive action other than like a back cut um, involves a screen. You want to make sure that the person coming off the screen is making the right decision. And you want to make sure that your screen setter is in the right position to be effective. Um, I, I hate watching like a staggered screen where nobody's making any contact with anybody to the point where it doesn't help you at all. That That's just not useful. You also have guys who might be slipping a screen and then not making themselves a threat, which does nothing at all. Um, if you're going to slip a screen, you know, run to the three-point line or sprint to the rim, but don't just get out of there and then just be looking at, at the crowd and not in a position to be any sort of threat. Because then you're just taking an offensive man out of the action and you're, you're not really helping yourself out. So things like that I notice. And then I'm also looking for just new concepts or creativity in the ways offenses are attacking defenses. Um, I'll see things from the Spurs that's creative, although they're not probably one of my favorite schemes at this point. They do a, they attack a, quite a bit in isolation with uh, several of the different players they have. Um, Denver does some interesting things. I like watching teams like Houston when they do run some sets, they can get pretty creative. So that's enjoyable for me to watch. Um, Utah can do some fun things. The not the Warriors as much, at least not this year. Um, in the past, when they've been at full strength, they've got it going on. But there, there's just a lot of interesting stuff out there. So seeing how teams continue to evolve and, and bring new things to the table in new years is something that I try to keep on top of because I want to want to know the trends. Want to know you, you just want to add those tools to your toolkit when you're trying to design plays. So that's one easy way to do it. And then the last thing offensively I want to mention is who is doing what when there isn't a set being run. And a, a good example, and again, it's a Laker one, but Alex Caruso and Jared Dudley are two guys that I notice. It's very obvious watching on film. I know when a play is being run, and I can kind of keep track of where the X's and O's are going. When there isn't a play being run, that's also usually pretty obvious. And those are two guys who will be setting off-ball screens for their teammates, not during set plays. And that really stands out because it's such a high basketball IQ thing. Um, you're creating extra scoring opportunities. Often it's while somebody like Anthony Davis or LeBron James is trying to attack and you're making sure that the help defense can't come or can't get to them. Or if it does, you're leaving somebody open. So. Little things like that stand out, and the more I watch of other teams, the more I see that as well. Um, so that's something to keep an eye out for. You can see some of the the smarter guys. They they might even be pointing to, hey, that guy's open. That's where the action's going to be. So that's that's cool to see. And then on defense, this again would probably be more watching film than watching live. Um, there are a couple of things I look at, and I know that a lot can be made of guys getting steals or getting blocks or ball pressuring, but I'm really trying to see 
who's doing their job and who's being effective with what they're doing. Um, looking at like the defensive shell, if you're, if you're unfamiliar with the defensive shell drill, which is something that goes all the way back to like middle school basketball, based on where the ball is and based on where your man is, there are positions that you should stand on the court that put you in the right spot to help potentially, but also in the right spot to recover to your man. If, if the ball were to be thrown over to him and seeing when defenders are doing that is if, if I'm focusing on the defense and watching those jerseys, almost not even really focusing, just kind of eyes glazed over looking at the screen, you can kind of see the shapes um, and you can see how that changes and molds to where the ball is and where guys are moving. Um, But it also stands out to me when guys aren't where they should be in that shell. And so much of defense is, I mean, you need to be talented, you need to be good, but you can do a lot defensively, even if you're not the most skilled guy getting steals or something like that, just by being in the right position at the right time. So are you doing your job? Are you in the right shell? Um, Jacob mentioned looking for the like leaders of a defense and trying to see how they communicate. And I, that is never something I've looked at, but it's something that I would love to try to do. I think audio on games is usually pretty tough, but if they're doing some pointing that could help, um, noticing the way defenses are liking to defend certain actions is something that I would need to focus on. Um, but once you kind of establish that baseline, you can see how that evolves throughout the game and how that may depend on personnel or, the offense attacking your coverage in a way that forces you to adjust. So that's interesting. I also like, I mean, I don't like, but (laughs) my eyes tend to instinctively go to who's boxing out when a shot goes up, having tracked that manually for years um, with, with teams in the past. So that's something that I notice. And then also tagging role men is something. and, And then just the rotations after that. So if I'm defending a guy who's standing in the corner, and there's a pick and roll on the other side of the court, and I'm I'm the low defender, and I need to go make sure that that role man doesn't get to the rim. I could be doing my job by stopping him, but I'm also leaving my man open in the corner as I do that. And that's not my fault. That means that the next person over needs to rotate over to my guy, and or or zone up on the weak side. And when when people talk about defenses moving on a string, that's the kind of thing. When when one guy leaves the others need to rotate over or be ready to rotate over. Um, So that's something that stands out. You might have, I don't know, LeBron James running over to contest and tag the role man. And then KCP doesn't drop down to, to take LeBron's guy or Rondo doesn't drop down or maybe they do. So those are the kinds of things that stand out as well. Um, Are you doing your job? Are you rotating the way you should be? And a lot of it's just very, very fundamental. After the ball gets kicked out or it's being passed around, it it's very fundamental stuff. Um, the really interesting things are how are you defending the action and how do you adjust to their adjustments? So that, again, is just not even really a game of chess in many occasions. It's more checkers, but it can be a chess game. So that's, that's one of the most fun things for me to keep an eye on. And when we talk about watching individual defenders, this is something I don't do a whole lot. I probably have to turn the film on looking to assess a specific guy over 50 possessions or something like that to even try to do this. It's not like, all right, I'm going to watch Alex Caruso for two possessions on defense and try to come up with a summary from that. That's just irresponsible. Um, you need a sample size there. And 
I think the sample size with film can be a little bit smaller than looking at like uh, results oriented stats, just because you can see more of the the how and the why, but you still want to get some sample size there. So if I'm turning the film on to look at somebody, maybe look at their technique, look at how they're doing in their shell. Um, I don't know how they're communicating if they're making those extra rotations. I try to notice those things as at the team level. And then if somebody doesn't do what they're supposed to do, I'll take note of that. Um, maybe guys defending off ball screens is something where technique can come more into play or containing in the pick and roll is something that can, is more uh, appropriate for me to focus on as an individual thing. But those are the types of things I look at defensively. I'm going to take a quick water break because I'm talking so long here. And I will say that you've probably noticed I haven't really talked about stats all that much. And I, I guess what I like to do is be aware of how players are being used. That's important to me. I like to look at, all right, for this game, here, here was their possession breakdown. All right, they had four roll man possessions, three spot ups and, and two dump offs or something like that, or six isolations and, and one spot up or I don't know. And again, I have that mindset that I talked about earlier where it's all about making the most of what you have. I think our talent grade data does a good job of showing what you have, what those puzzle pieces can do. And then you're using your, your lineups and your X's and O's to try to take those puzzle pieces and, and turn them into the prettiest picture possible. And then we can measure the effectiveness of that pretty picture you've made with the plays you're running and the lineups you're using through some of that like luck adjusted lineup data or impact stats like PIPM. So it's a lot of, there, there are different pieces that look at different things for me. Um, and the film plays a big role there and the schemes play a big role there, but the stats can do a good job of telling you, Hey, this might be how you want to approach this. And then other stats can show you if it's working or not. So that's, that's how I like to incorporate those. I also like to see how guys are being used from an offensive role standpoint, which is something we've, we've spoken about in the past. Um, is this guy a secondary creator, primary creator, mega creator, tall creator, spot up wing, tall spot up wing, and so on. That can just, just that label alone, I can pull up in our data and our, our data and tools package and, I can know a whole lot about how somebody plays just from that. And then within that, uh, pulling up their synergy profile itself and, and trying to get more specific and granular and seeing, okay, spotting up can mean a whole lot of different things. There are some guys who only catch and shoot. There are some guys who far more uh, attacking closeouts than catching and shooting. There are some guys who are pretty balanced. And then when they're attacking closeouts, are they getting to the rim? Are they having to take pullouts or floaters? So, it can get a lot more specific within that, but the offensive roles are really good to understand what types of pieces you have out there. You can also look, you, you can almost look at those like the chess pieces. All right, I've got two movement wings and, and a primary creator and a versatile big and a rolling cup big. Okay. There's my, my queen and my two bishops and my pawn and, and whatnot. So that can just tell you what you're capable of doing. And I think that's important to know because I might be watching how the offense is, how the defense is defending a specific action. And in theory, there may be a best way to attack it, but that may not be the best option with the personnel you have. And that's something that if you're watching enough, you should be able to have a good, a good sense of, but 
the data can be a shortcut to telling you some of those answers and signals for, okay, this is what this guy can and can't do. Um, so that can shape my decision making in terms of what I think the appropriate next step would be to counter what an offense or a defense is showing you. I also like looking at our data on two or three or four or five men pairings, um, seeing the pace of those groups, how they're playing on offense, how they're playing on defense, again, using our luck adjusted data, um, because lineup data on smaller samples, even up to 100, 200, 250 possessions is very, very noisy with how important, you know, one stop or two stops or two scores could be. So that's something that the luck adjusted data really tries to dig in more on the process and lets you analyze, I think, a little bit more speedily. Um, Because otherwise it can take, I mean, we're, what, 25% into the season, if not more. And still so many of the lineups we've seen aren't anywhere close to the amount of possessions from a raw net rating standpoint or offensive or defensive rating standpoint for you to be able to tell a whole whole lot from them. So that's why we like to use the the luck adjusted stuff when assess, assessing stuff publicly, you're looking at college lineups or things like that. And then another thing that Jacob mentioned that I agree with is after games or even, uh, I guess not during games because I don't have it up live, but after games, looking at the advanced box score tool that we have, again, in our $5 data and tools package, um, that advanced box score tool is pretty useful. And one thing I look to look at is what was the shot quality for both teams? Um, I don't know. I, I like all of these process pieces of the game. And then you really factor in that it's a make or miss league and that's what gets you the actual results. But over the long sample size, a uh, good process should, should win out in the end, hopefully. Um, you need the talent there. You need a bunch of different things happening, but good process is where you want to be. And then the talent grades are also helpful in game, like I said, when trying to figure out what makes the most sense for deploying certain guys. And then if I'm trying to draw up some X's and O's, not during a game, but just, just on the side, knowing very quickly what you have from a toolkit standpoint for each player is really useful. And the, the talent grades do a pretty good job with that. Now, if I were watching film to assess a specific player, I'd probably be using a lot more data to help me see how they fared over a larger sample. Because again, I can I can watch, if I'm looking at a whole 82 game season, I can watch a full 10 games and that's still such a tiny sample of what somebody's done. So using the data really helps, using our talent grades help, using the PIPM data really helps. Um, but for normal game watching or for fun or because we have money on a game, I'm not really using a whole ton of data other than probably more live spreads and totals and, and stuff like that that I'm tracking. So I'd say that wraps up how I like to watch film. Um, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions or are looking for suggestions or have suggestions for me because um, I think there's a lot to learn from different people in that regard. And there's so many different people who have different points of view and things that they're really smart about and like to watch the game for. And there are certainly things that I focus less on and I need to be really focused and intentional about looking forward to see. Um, Whereas like the X's and O's, I just, I see that stuff in my sleep, guys. It's, it's almost scary. So that, that's what I focus on. Other people see technique very easily um, or I don't know, maybe they're seeing defensive rotations very well. 
everybody watches the game differently, but that's how I like to look at it. Um, I'd love to show you more about that. I've been trying to get a stream uh, of, of me watching film set up, but had some technical difficulties. So I just got a nice new laptop from some of that good gambling money. Um, and this laptop should be able to handle more of the processing power and all of that needed to, to get that all set up. So I'll try to give that another shot. Keep a lookout for that. And then next week, hopefully we'll have a pod set up with me and Jacob to break down the release of our 2019-2020 talent grades, which again, just launched this week. So go check those out. We'll be tweeting about them. Um, but I mean, there are hundreds of players. So take a look at our $5 data and tool, pa- data and tool package. Um, highly recommend you take a look at that. We have 28 spreadsheets and three gravity apps. Um, always, always good stuff in there. Um, and I guess as always, you can find the site on Twitter at the underscore bball underscore index. You can find me at, at Tim underscore NBA. And I think that's it for today. So have a great weekend, everyone.